Hey everybody, welcome to Earn More Tutoring. I'm very excited today. Um, today I've got a, my guest Chris Hansen of Life Skills Advocate. And I was so excited to talk to Chris because as I started to learn more about SEO and building my website and search engine optimization and things that I never even thought about as I started my business, um, I was looking out on the internet and seeing like who, who else was able to kind of navigate this, this field and attract clients to their business and attract people to their offerings and also just to provide value to people. And it became very apparent that Chris and Life, Skill Ad Life Skills Advocate was attracting a ton of traffic to their website. So I started looking into it and saw that Chris has just put up so many incredible articles, guides, tools for students and parents with executive function challenges that make him such a great online hub for teaching about executive function skills and other life skills in general. So I reached out to Chris, not sure if he'd even, if I'd even be on his radar if I reached out, but he was very generous to respond and um, was open to the idea of me interviewing for this podcast so we could teach you about how to get more traffic to your website. So as you know, um, this is Earn More Tutoring. Our goal is to eradicate educator poverty, help educators worldwide learn how to build their tutoring, coaching, education businesses so they can have more control over their time, finances, and, uh, and vision. So welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you so much, Sean. And that was a very kind and warm introduction. I, I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So maybe, Chris, you know, I know I kind of gave a little brief overview of uh, what you do, but tell us more about, you know, Life Skills Advocate and how it came to be. Yeah, absolutely. So um, first, I, I guess it's, it's important to say that the company was uh, started in 2019 um, and, and inspired by really my own executive dysfunction, um, navigating the world as somebody with ADHD um, and just tons of like emotions around that struggle, struggling with emotional regulation um, you know, sort of in the world of ADHD and then um, spending my career as a uh, special education teacher, uh, four years, five years or so of that, and then uh, four or five years as a paraeducator um, before that, um, and at the high school level, I should say. So, yeah, 2019 started uh, Life Skills Advocate or uh, LSA for short, and um, you know, really worked hard uh, locally here in the Seattle area to to build my own client caseload um up to uh you know 10 15 clients or so before hiring our first coach and really i guess before i go any further i should probably mention like kind of like our mission and like what we actually do um yeah the mission of lsa is to uh provide life skills training and executive function support and mentoring to neurodivergent uh, teens adults and families so um typically teenagers and above um, we do that in the home and remotely. Um, so there's a whole client-centric coaching side of things. Um, and then there's the other side of the business, which is the, the content side of things, where, where we're talking about, you know, putting blog posts up on the site and developing uh, products and, and, and guides and, and so forth that, that Sean mentioned. Um, and there's a whole bunch of uh, cool stuff about that, too. So yeah, so now present day 2023, here, uh, second day of February, we, we're, we've worked with somewhere in the ballpark of 250 clients on the coaching side. Um, I have a team of 11 coaches, um, some of whom are located in the Seattle area and others are um, 
uh, in other states. Um, people find us from really all over, mostly the U.S., because um, we're obviously a U.S. company, but um, sometimes we do get people contacting us from Canada or Europe or other places too. So very, very grateful to to have the kind of um, the kind of I guess following and people who really like the work that we do. So um, yeah, so I guess that's that's kind of a brief introduction. And definitely elaborate on anything that you that you need. Yeah, thank you so much. So you know, I, as as you were talking, a couple of things came to mind that I wanted to to share. Um, the first one is more of a technical thing is we are streaming this episode live. So anyone who's watching on your different formats, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, um, YouTube, uh, drop, if you have a question or a comment, drop it into the comment box and we may be able to answer that throughout the episode. So that's one thing to, to, to let you know is that you have access to, um, you know, do that and, and get some, some real life uh, coaching in a sense um, mm-hmm. on any of your questions. Now, um, if you've been following the Earn More Tutoring uh, podcast, and I'm proud to say we just hit 10,000 downloads. So thank you, everyone out there for listening and also for um, taking upon yourself to learn how to build your education business. I know that um, hopefully this has been impactful for people and and they've learned some things that they can add value. I actually took a break. Um, and I, as you may have seen, I haven't uploaded an episode in a, in, in a couple months. Um, but when I saw what Chris was doing, I was like, I got to come out of retirement and interview this guy because it's really quite amazing. And so I want to give people a little bit of background on, on what Chris is doing. And then we'll probably dive into more of, of you know, how you can apply some of that to, to what you're doing. So as Chris shared, the awesome thing is he's, he's providing, you know, executive function supports for, for people throughout the world, especially students. You know, I think you said it was 12 and up. Is that correct? Or 14? Uh, 14, but we do make some case-by-case exceptions for younger yeah, and it's such an important thing. And so that's first off why why I admire what Chris is doing so much is because myself, I also run um, an executive function coaching business and it's it's awesome to see people who are doing it really well. Um, it's inspiring. But you know, one of the things I've been working on the last six months was building out my blog. So if you follow my executive function coaching business, you know I send out a weekly blog, try to write something that's helpful to my audience um, and get feedback. And as I learned about like, what do people want to know about? One of the things I had to do was look into SEO and SEO stands for search engine optimization. And basically what it tells you is like, what are people searching for related to executive functioning? Like, what do they want to know? And, and as I looked into that stuff, I used this tool called SEMrush. Um, a lot of it was, was stuff that, you know, Chris's brand is showing up at the top of the list for, for, for everything related to that. He's really hit on so many important topics. Um, and, and created valuable resources that people keep coming to. And so that's what I want people to kind of use this opportunity that I'm speaking with Chris to learn about is like Chris has come up with a methodology um, that really works for him. And to go back to, you know, before I ask the next question, to go back to something Chris shared with me when we first met, kind of talking about doing this episode, was he, I said, Chris, like, how did you, how did you do this? You know, how did you put yourself at the top, you know, for all these different categories around executive function coaching and ADHD challenges and things like that. And he said, well, my goal is to always be the most helpful person on the internet. And that was one of those things where it's like, I was taking a shower and I'm like, wow, that was so profound. You know, I'm walking my daughter. I'm like, man, what does that mean? Like, wow, that's so deep, you know? And so I wanted to kind of come back to that. And Chris, tell us more about that idea of being the most helpful person on the internet and how that influences 
your content creation strategy? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, I, I like thinking about it that way, first of all, because it like really simplifies the process because with when it comes to SEO, um, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm like an expert person. I know I'm, I'm here to talk about it, but like, I'm not like one of those fake guru people on YouTube who is going to tell you all the, the wisdom around how long headlines should be or how long articles should be or like keyword density or all that kind of stuff. Um, so the, the most helpful person on the internet, um, what that, what that means to me really is kind of just this idea that like, you know, as you grow an audience or as you develop content, you're going to start with basically zero audience. You're going to be writing content for no one in particular. <laughs> like, and that's a really kind of demoralizing thing at first. And it feels kind of crappy. Um, but then as people start to pick up on your content and, and read it and Google starts to notice it as well. And Google notices that people read it. Um, Google will begin to reward you with, with better ranking. Um, so what I've found to be one of the most useful strategies in actually getting your blog posts or podcasts or what, whatever the format is that you're, that you're into, one of the most helpful strategies is to simply ask your audience what they want to read. Um, we do surveys regularly, not too often, because that can create a lot of uh, its own executive function uh, demand. But we do yearly surveys um, to our audience straight up like what do you want us to write about <laughs> like can we create some categories and we and then we talk uh we ask them more nitty-gritty details about like well what time of day are you more likely to want to read our blog post uh, what what topics really don't resonate with you that maybe we published in the last year or so um and then from there it's it's, it's writing stuff about that um and that's kind of kind of yeah, like i mean i know i know that sounds uh, there's there is more to it so like so when let me, i guess let me d dig a little bit deeper so when you think about like things like post length and um he headlines and you know number of words per paragraph and that kind of stuff like if you just ask the question like what does what does it mean to be the most helpful person on the internet for this topic for the audience that i'm trying to serve mean you're going to answer it and you're not even going to need to do a whole lot of like SEO technical research or anything like that. And then like the plugins and the different things that like, so like I use WordPress, for example, like the different tools that like layer on top, a lot of them are really like kind of self-explanatory. So for example, we have a blog post that does pretty well called uh, executive functioning skills by age and it has like a developmental matrix and it's, it's, it's pretty sweet. Um, inside that post, there's an opportunity to like list what's your like main target keyword. Like what's the main phrase that like, if, like if people were to type it in Google, you really want to show up your article to show up at the top. And that, in this case, it's, uh, executive functioning development. So when you, you know, so basically you follow the plugin called rank math, by the way, mm -hmm. follow the, the plugins recommendations and you. You put the keyword into the um, the tool, and it talks. It has a kind of a, it's called an API. It talks to Google, and it, it then um, it's it's a way to sort of like tell Google. Obviously, you're crawling my site, you're reading my article, but like, what do you? What's like the main keyword that um, that you're actually that I'm that you're actually trying to rank for? So, um, 
I hope I'm kind of making sense, but like, but, but basically like collect feedback from your audience, uh, create a ton of value. Um, don't worry about post length, like go as, as in depth with a post as you feel your audience would need. Sometimes that means the post is like 600 words. Sometimes it means the post may be like 2000 to 3000 words, just depends. But like what we really try to do with our site and the content that we put out there is to have like an inch wide mile deep approach. So we're covering like one topic tailored to one audience and in and, and, and enough detail to where they can take it and run with it and go do something. Um, and then the other thing I'll add is that almost every post, not, not all, but most um, have some opportunity to download something extra that's, that goes with the article. So we call these opt-in or, or uh, opt-in forms or, or lead magnet forms, or there's a bunch of different words for it, but basically it's what's something else you can do with the article that you've written or published that adds even more value to your audience such that your audience is willing to give up something of theirs, their email address in order to get that free thing. So for the develop, um, executive functioning developmental development article, we have the actual um, chart as a like high resolution um, P PDF that they can download along with like some of the sources that we used in a bibliography, bibliography format that when people enter their email address, it immediately sends them the chart. Um, and then they also get on our email list and then we can continue to provide them with more value, um, you know, from there. So I think, I think that kind of sums up as far as like what, what I, what we mean when we say trying to be the most helpful resource on the internet for, for, the, for the topic that we're covering. Um, but happy to again, elaborate on anything that you need. Yeah. What, what uh, was the biggest challenge in figuring out that process? Biggest challenge? Um, well, I mean, the biggest challenge is probably in the early stages when you just, when no one's reading any of your stuff and to like, to, to keep going like, and to realize and, and, and to have sort of blind faith that like, if I continue to do this, that people will notice and it takes a while though. I mean, it, took about six, seven months before traffic started to be like more than like a couple dozen people a day. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. people often do give up pretty quickly and that's, un that's totally understandable, but I think we have to remember there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes and there's not a great reason for like Google to rank you until they know that you're able to provide like consistent high quality content. There's like a level of trust that you're trying to build, not just with your audience, but with Google itself. And they're, they're not gonna put you on the first page if you write just a couple articles, even if they're really good articles, but then you don't do anything else. Right, so um, you kinda, you like scheduled a meeting with Google, you're like, hey Google, like, are you good yet? Like, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Cause like Google, like, what is Google? You know, I always think about that. It's like, they've created this, this system to really, you know, I, I'm wondering, like, I'm always wondering, is there people managing this? Is this completely, you know, automated? Like, what have you learned about how Google decides that you're trustworthy, that your content should be ranked higher? Like, what do you understand, you know, about Google at this point? Well, I know that they're collecting data from more places than I can, 
than I than than any any of us are privy to. Um, their their ranking algorithm is probably one of the highest guarded secrets um, on the planet. You know, it's right up there with like Coca Cola's recipe and the way M and M's get the M on the M and M. Um, it's not clear how exactly they determine who does what. All I know there, but there is a longevity factor. Um, that that's for sure. Um, there's a few things that are definitely known, um, but how that all works in concert is, is really unknown. Um, they, they keep it that way. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining like, like, uh, a room, with like uh you know whatever a pillar and there's like a glass case and like the algorithms in there but it's obviously something much more complex than that you know some code tons yeah. of code and it's a uh, it's like a highly intelligent but uh thing you know this entity because it's really interesting how it understands that people value something that they're trusting it that they're like spending more time on it there's probably so many factors but mm-hmm. at the end of the day i'm always surprised too by how it's like if you put something out that comes from your heart, that also comes from your expertise and you're kind of like just really just focus on building trust and adding value that that somehow works. You know, it's like they've, they've engineered the trust equation, I guess. I think one of the factors in the algorithm or the ranking factors that they take into account is how long, excuse me, how long are people on your website for how, mm-hmm. how far are they scrolling down your article? Are they clicking into your website and then immediately leaving? Well, mm-hmm. I mean, Google knows these things. Um, it's always watching, right? Yeah. And um, and it will, you know, and if and if your website on the, or your article on executive function development by age, eighty percent of the people are engaging with that article in some way. They're scrolling down. They're clicking through to other things. They're entering their email address. These types of things. Um, it's in in. And some competitor's website trying to do the exact same topic is at 70%. Um, and I'm, you know, kind of like for simplicity's sake here, I don't know exactly how it works, but but chances are you, the article that's getting more engagement is going to be ranked higher. Um, and by higher, I mean closer to the top of the page on Google. That's where we all want to be is like the number one or two position. Um, but I'm going to like to be totally honest. Like I don't think about that very often. Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about where's Google ranking me. Like I just, I know it's important, but I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking about like, well, what does my audience want to read? Um, and what does, you know, what, and and if I can do that, then I think the Google stuff will sort of take care of itself and and it has. So, yeah. And I think that's great to always come back to that as opposed to like, like one thing that I always think about, you know, actually I kind of, I have like my goals and I look at them every day pretty much because I feel like just thinking about them helps me subconsciously take actions towards them, even if I don't know exactly how to reach them. And so one thing I've been thinking about as I look at them is like, when I write a goal or when I have a goal, I shouldn't have a goal that's based on a result. Like I shouldn't say I want to have a thousand views on my article or whatever, a thousand email followers. Instead, I should think about the actions that would lead to that. So, for example, instead of saying I want a thousand email followers, I need to focus on I want to put out 20 articles that help people with executive function challenges. Right. So it's like focusing on the process to get the result rather than focusing on the result. And I feel like that's kind of what I'm hearing you say is like 
stop thinking about all the other nonsense, you know, the important stuff, not nonsense, but you know, and really, and really focus on like, what are you, how are you serving your audience? How are you delivering something valuable to them? How are you asking them? Like, what do you need help with? And how can my experience, you know, help you? Um, And you said something to me really profound, which was like, I was also thinking about at various times since our last conversation. And you said, the challenge is the reward. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Um, Yeah, for sure. So there's like this idea of um, kind of like, there's somehow this illusion, I think, just in general, that someday we're going to maybe like actually get to the bottom of our to-do list, you know, like we're going to, we're going to reach, we're going to check off that last thing and it's going to be like, oh, well, I guess I'm done. (laughs) I guess I know we're not necessarily consciously thinking that, but I think we're, it's, it seems to me that a lot of people, including myself, um, really want to get to X, like they're in, and goals are important. Goals are obviously very important, but, but it's, sometimes it's really hard to think a thousand followers when you're at 10. And so you have to find something that's going to keep you going. And if you can actually like really find a way to enjoy the process of learning how to publish content, learning how to write, learning how to attract people to your, to your blog or to whatever format, um, find joy in the process because the, the goals are not necessarily ever guaranteed. And, and that will keep it. I, th- I feel like um, that will help keep you engaged and, and, and will help you maybe prevent prevent you from getting burned out a little bit. Um, you know, um, there's, I guess it's kind of rooted in some like mindfulness practice. Um, I, I don't have an exact like protocol, so to speak for how to enjoy the process or how to like get yourself motivated to, to do it. Um, but I think if you're always thinking, well, I'll be happy when, or I'll be satisfied when you may be missing the bigger picture. Like if you can somehow be satisfied with today, I'm going to publish a a piece of blog content that 30 people are going to see. That's amazing. I have 30 people on my email list. I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but like 30 people is like a classroom of of people. Now, if you were standing in front of a classroom of students, would you consider that to be nothing? No, it's, it's absolutely not nothing. It's a, it's a classroom of students or a classroom of just people who want to learn from you. So I think regardless of what your goals are, I think, and it's great to have these big goals, but just try to be in the, in the present as much, as much as you can and really in, um, be grateful for whatever, whatever number of followers you do have. That it's worth being grateful for because ultimately if you're helping somebody, um, you're, then you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about it anyway. So, yeah, it's so refreshing to hear. And I think that, you know, for me, um, that's how I feel too, you know, but at the same time, sometimes I get caught up in the, Oh, I don't have enough or, Oh, you know, I need, if I could only have more or more people were listening or whatever. Um, but you know, when I, I think it's like what you're saying really resonates because that's what I want to feel and what I kind of strive. And so I have been thinking about that a lot when you you know, the, the, the quote, but also the meaning behind it, like the challenge is the reward. Like, yeah, it's okay. If you have one follower, you know, sometimes it might be your parents or your significant other, but as long as you're bringing value to them, 
it can always blossom and grow. You know, it's like, uh, yeah. So that's kind of how I see it. Um, and you and can so, do both. You can, you can have both these big goals and, and feel good about being where you are, you know, because ch chances are though, like, you know, like when you reach that goal, I mean, you, you may have, you'll, 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 uh, you may have forgotten about the number that you were striving for in the beginning anyway. Hmm. You may already be on to the next big goal. Right. So if you're always moving the target, always moving the carrot, like, then you're never necessary then you may it may be more difficult for you to live in the present um so yeah yeah i appreciate that mm -hmm. uh, i have a question here. i'm going to pop it up on the screen so let me know if you can't see it but samuel token asked um chris are you i think he meant tracking tracking bounce rates page hits where people are accessing the page from etc yeah definitely i'm tracking all that stuff um doing, I try to do monthly audits on, on a lot of that, that kind of stuff, or even daily for that matter. But, um, uh, so like things that, uh, like bounce rate, like bounce rate for people who are not sure are, uh, is the number basically your engagement number. So like if you have a 70% bounce rate, that means that 70% of people are engaging in your post in some meaningful way. And 30% of people are entering the page and then up leaving right away. So um, what I try to do with, with bounce rate specifically is, um, you know, pages that I notice have a really high, um, oh, I'm, you know what, I got that backwards. It's 30% of people are engaging with your posts and 70% of the people are bouncing off or leaving. Um, so what I try to do though, is if, if I notice pages that are maybe in the 90 plus or 80 plus range uh, bounce rate you'll have to you know look at your own posts and determine what maybe like the the higher end would be because every everybody's different but um then you try to look at the post and figure out like what's going on like what about this post maybe isn't helping people in the, in the best way it could and, and make adjustments from there um and depending on like what different uh technology you use um there are ways to uh split test um or a b test um your content to to see is 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 uh is it maybe the um is it maybe just like the blog post title or is it maybe like the first paragraph that needs revising and you can test one versus another um to to see which one engages better but uh which one resonates more with your audience but yeah i definitely track those things um so it's important to know your numbers on on a at least a high level yeah, and he and the follow-up question Sam asked was, "Do you use Google Analytics for this, or how do you track all this stuff?" I would say, yeah, Google Analytics is the is the way to go. It's um, it's like you know, right from Google, so I, I find that to be the best. It's free and um, has the most data. I would say there's some configuration that often needs to happen, but um, in the, especially like as you get your account set up and whatnot, but generally it's pretty easy. So I think some people that are listening here, you know, or will be listening are like, I'm just trying to figure out how to set up my website mm -hmm. and like, you know, they're, yeah. I mean, some people are really at that point where they just are not just, but they're, they're, you know, they're not comfortable with, with, you know, a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. What do you recommend to someone who's really like, doing coaching, wants to build a website and probably build an email following, but like, what are their first steps? Do you think? Um, well, I would pick the least objectionable format for, for them. So like that, but the, that also potentially offers like 
some some flexibility and, and has um and when I say least objectional, I mean something that's that's going to have a relatively easy learning curve. Unless, of course, you have like the aptitude to to dig into like WordPress or um or some, you know, a, a publisher that's similar. But but honestly, like if you if you you know if you're just starting out and and you want something simple, like kind of plug and play, um, publish content, you know, kind of easily without a lot of bells and whistles. Things like uh, Squarespace and Wix and, and those kinds of things are is, are are okay. Um, ultimately, there will be some limitations on the flexibility and the customizability of your of your website. Um, but it, it's not a it's not a bad way to start. Um, now, it, you know, the, the limitations for me are are definitely deal breakers. Um, so if you feel if you feel so inclined to start digging into the WordPress world. Or you feel like you have the technical aptitude to to go down that that path, um, then you really do need to try to have that, that again, like kind of that growth mindset, living in the moment as best you can, realizing that you know one day you will be proficient in WordPress, or and, and it may not be as far away as you think, um, but WordPress is a, it has more of a learning curve for sure. Um, yeah, but like well, yeah, like Squarespace or Wix, they're they're really they're designed to be um, they're designed to, to be accessible to just about anybody who wants to start a website. Yeah. Let's talk game. about, yeah, no, thank you. Let's talk about self-regulation in context of, of trying to learn these tools. So what do you, you know, when you're trying to set up a plugin or you're, you know, you're, you're trying to put in some little snippet on, on a blog or on your website or, you know, get something to show up the way you want and it's just not working. Mm-hmm. And you keep publishing it, but you know, it doesn't work. How do you deal with that? You know, what's your approach to self-regulate yeah. and continue even when it feels impossible? Um, yeah, and this happens all the time. There's always, especially with WordPress, something is always breaking or going wrong, or like there's some code that needs to be adjusted, or or maybe not code. I that's there's not a lot of coding actually. I don't know why I said that, but um, but there's WordPress feels a little bit duct taped together at times, for lack of a better term. So what I usually do when something breaks, um, I'll give it a go, probably give it a good one or two hours at, uh, of my own time. That's that's the threshold that I'm comfortable with, one to two hours of my own trying to troubleshoot. And, and sometimes I end up making the problem worse in doing that. Like um, sometimes I'm able to fix the problem. But if I get to that one to two hours and I'm feeling frustrated, um, I'm not solving anything and, or, you know, I'm making it worse. There's a pretty good chance that I'll go on to Upwork, which is a freelance website and I'll type in WordPress developer or, and I'll post a job, um, to get some help. <laughs> like, and there's a lot of really, really good people on Upwork who will help you, um, for not that much money. And what I, when I think about, the 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 time and, and money upwork has saved me it's kind of like it's kind of staggering um because like there's some problems i would probably never have been able to figure out or fix like or they would have taken me like i don't know something like 8 16 24 you know a, a whole a whole bunch of time that i really don't have um and so i have to say well what yeah like what's what's worth it like what's how much time is too much time and like what's how does that translate to like my hourly rate so to speak you know 
what am I willing to essentially give up to, to work on this project? So I had, a, I had an issue like about a month and a half ago where I couldn't figure it out and hired a WordPress developer and it was like $150, but um, yeah, he solved the issue pretty quickly and kind of back to normal. Um, yeah. So like, that's just, I guess that's just kind of my answer, like figure out like what your limits are and your own, your own aptitude and your own expertise for, for troubleshooting. And, and, and it's so hard to give like a blanket answer because every plugin, every, every facet of WordPress is different. So you may be really good at solving for like one specific type of WordPress challenge or, or coding challenge or something, but maybe not another. So, um, I guess when you, when you, when you start to feel hopeless or like when you start to feel like maybe this is out of my league, um, start to bump that feeling up against like, well, what's my, what's maybe my, what, what kind of, what's, what's sort of budget do I have to solve this issue? Maybe do I, can I, can I solve this issue with money as opposed to time? And then, and then make a decision from there. Hmm. I like that. Can I solve this issue with money as opposed to time? Because those are really the two resources that were that are, that are at play when we're talking about this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Switching it up a little bit, Chris, why did you leave uh, working as a public school special education teacher to create your business? Um, yeah, so um, I love teaching 100%. That was the teaching part of the job was by far the best but honestly, the uh, sort of the uh, unpredictability around uh, expectations and having to toe that line between family advocate and district representative, those two things aren't always congruent, um, was taking a toll on my own mental health and my own feeling like uh, my, my own ability to, to feel like I was making a difference in, in the field um, of special ed. So that was, you know, kind of repeated as things kind of just repeatedly um, came up uh, in that realm and the, the, the red tape, so to speak, of, of being a special ed teacher, um, I essentially got burned out and needed to change things up. So yeah. how did you know when you were getting burned out? Um, well, I'd have this, well, for one, it was like the Sunday scaries were getting scarier and scarier uh, every week. And this, the feeling of dread of going into to, to work every day, um, knowing that the best part of the workday was being with the students, but but even that was starting to feel more stressful than I, than it should have, um, and that was the part I really liked. And like so, the the other stuff, I don't want to get into specifics because I don't, I never know who's listening or whatever, but. Um, the other stuff was just taking too much of a demand on on my own my own mental health and my own quality of delivering instruction to my students so yeah and i asked because i had a, this you know very similar experience where i also pretty much burned out i would say and um it's really hard and i think i hear that a lot from teachers i've heard a lot from guests is they actually not only like burned out they might have started to experience physical symptoms i think episode seven or nine with Joanne, mm -hmm. Christie, the, um, the online tutoring coach, she talks about how she was physically getting sick, you know, going to work. And um, it's a real issue. I mean, it's like a real issue for teachers is burnout, mental health challenges. I had a good friend um, 
who was throwing up every day before mm. work pretty much. He was just sick, you know, like with the anxiety. So he had to end up leaving. And it was, he said it was the hardest decision because when, you know, he, he let all the students know and they like, he said there was a whole, like all students like were just crying in the hallways. Everyone was like sad. He was sad. And it's really tough, right? That, you know, and it's tough because I think as educators, sometimes we say like, oh, we should, we want to change the system. Like we want to fix it and make it better. And then sometimes you have to recognize like, I can't necessarily change this and I have to create my own thing, you know, mm -hmm. that can help people in the way I want to help them. Um, Absolutely. Well, that sucks about your, your friend. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's doing better now though. So I think That's he's good. like, you know, stepping away is really, really kind of, uh, relieve stress and yeah I'm, I'm hoping for the best for him as well because i know he was super enthusiastic to come into teaching and which i love mm -hmm. um tell me about you know what what are the best parts of what you're doing now like tell me about kind of the the experience of, of running your own business and what what the kind of benefits you found taking that risk and, and starting your own thing as an educator are yeah i mean it's i would say like the number one benefit are uh, to, to doing what I'm doing cur currently is essentially I get to I get to decide how long the tape is. You know, I get to I get to ultimately be the one that says uh, how easy or, or difficult processes need to be for for you know for our clients and for our employees, um, and in creating a system that I wish I had. You know. Um, and and probably beyond that, probably more important than that is I get to feel like I get to feel like my like the, the passion I had as a teacher um, is at its best and clearest it's probably ever been. Like it's um, because I'm while there are stressors, no doubt. I mean, there's there's no getting around that. Um, my energy gets to be focused more on the things that I enjoy um, and kind of, kind of just run with that, I guess. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's enabled me to feel more passionate about teaching again. And I, and I still do, and I, you know, even as the, the business owner and I have a team of 11, like I'm, I still do have um, like three or four clients that I work with that um, it's, it's the best part of my week. And, um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I think, I think one thing that, um, I hear from a lot of executive function coaches, and I've seen this with the coaches I train and also coaches on my team is this like renewed sense of purpose. Like they right. feel, they feel excited, you know, being able to help others. It's, it's really exciting. Um, yeah. To like help someone reach their goals. Right. And that's all, that's the main mm -hmm. thing executive function coaching is, is like helping people set up you know, a process and, and a system and an approach for, for reaching their goals. So, mm -hmm. so that's really, really um, good to hear. Mm -hmm. What, what's the biggest challenge that you're facing now as, you know, a business owner with 11 employees, you know, over 150 clients that you're serving, you know, very sizable email list, you know, a lot, you got a lot of responsibility, maybe more than you had as a teacher, you know, mm -hmm. yet it probably feels more manageable in a way. What's the biggest challenge you're facing? Um, probably the biggest challenge would be the balancing of um, decision making between 
what's best for the population we're serving versus what's best from a business perspective. Like that is something I'm always trying to navigate. So as an example, um, um, the way we do our pricing for our coaching, like we recently switched from, um, we're switching the way we're doing our pricing um, from monthly billing to day of billing, kind of similar to the way therapists do, um, kind of on an auto pay schedule type deal. Um, but when we were considering the way different ways to change up our the way we do our pricing, um, one of the ways was to uh, to do to consider subscriptions and packages as as an option. But it turns out that um, there is some there's sort of a, an an issue in the neurodivergent community around the. Um, committing to something that you don't know you're going to use. And I think that's true for maybe anybody, not just the neurodivergent community and making, making commitments to a month's worth of, of um, sessions before you've even necessarily met your coach or before you've really dug in. So we've, re so, but, but like that model uh, um, packages and subscriptions is a lot more financially lucrative, so to speak, because you're, there's more guaranteed income um than the day of pricing but um but ultimately like i it, it doesn't work for the community we're trying to serve so just trying to make the decision that like luckily like that decision did you know it's not like if like certain like making the making the decision to to serve the community versus the business decision that one didn't doesn't have a huge financial impact uh, necessarily, but others could in the future. So I'm always kind of trying to weigh the, those two things. Um, yeah, between the business and the client, like what, and, and almost always wavering towards like the, the client, the client, what's best for the client, what's best for the people. Because mm -hmm. um, ultimately I think it's our, like it's, it's gonna keep people wanting to to work with us if we do the thing that's it's better for people so i think that's kind of business 101 there but um, yeah yeah know. thanks for sharing that yeah it, you know it, it uh it makes me think about how it seems like across different like i guess realms of your business that considering client feedback consistently and carefully is a huge driver and it's probably what increases that trust factor, of course, is that you you take into account what they need, what want, their preferences as you build your business. So it just creates that like positive feedback cycle where mm -hmm. you guys are growing together, you know, and people are, of right. course, grateful. They feel heard, right? What, what, what does someone want besides to feel heard, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, really important that we listen to our customers, um, you know, listen to the people who are making it possible for our business to continue to, to happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're, uh, we're getting near the end here, but, um, I wanted to ask you, Chris, like, where do you see your business in two years? Yeah. Good question. Um, so I want what I, what I'm trying to do right now, um, it's a big effort, um, that we're, we're just kind of just starting, um, but like, our coaching program is great, but really only people 
who are in the upper like maybe 10% of income earners um or that maybe that's not exactly true they probably the top 50% or 40 to 50% of income earners can really afford it we want to you know we want everybody to be able to access coaching uh, it's very important that it not just be a uh, a rich people thing you know so um so we're working um with uh some different local organizations to to find ways to network with um and um and offer our services uh, on at an organizational level um to broader populations who otherwise wouldn't be able to afford coaching um so that's one major thing that we're trying to uh to, to work on over the next two years uh, i don't necessarily have like a, a a measurable goal for that just yet as we're just sort of starting out but we're we're in the process of defining that more clearly. Um, the other um, thing we're trying to do is is just produce more free, high value content on our website. Um, I think that's something that that we've you know we've done since the beginning um, and done it pretty well. Uh, in lieu of not being able to provide like financial aid or or, or you know um, coaching to lower income folks, at least the website's there. There's a lot of great downloadable resources. Um, we have a workbook that's priced, um, I think, uh, reasonably. That's uh, that's out. That's available as well. Um, so, yeah, I think broadening the reach of our coaching, and then from there, starting to uh, explore um, adjacent um, service offerings. So, parent coaching is a big one. Um, and, you know. Uh, to, and down the line, probably more than two years, like tutoring and, and mental health counseling, such that we end up having like a wraparound type type service model uh, offering. Um, but that but that's a ways away. And uh, um, but we're, we're, it's all on the radar, though. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing. That's really exciting. It sounds like, um, you know, I think what sticks out to me, too, is that you're always finding that balance between you know, what can you manage as a business? Because of course it's great to have ideals and want to do everything for free or whatever, but you also have to manage like, all right, I have a team of people that, you know, are depending on this for, you know, for their living. And then I also, you know, so balancing all that is, is the, the challenge of, of being a business owner. Oh, and yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing that I forgot to mention that, uh, that we want to definitely do is we want to offer um, more competitive benefits and, and, and um, to our team and as a way of keeping our talent and attracting new talent um, as a small business, uh, three years old, um, we're not there yet. And, um, but, but that's probably one of the next big things that we're going to be able to, to tackle. Um, it's really important that like our, our clients have consistency, you know, and obviously like we, we don't want to have our clients forever. Like the idea is to not need coaching forever, but like, mm -hmm. But if coaches are leaving after only a few months, not that they are, but if that if that were to happen because we don't offer what we what we feel like we ought to be able to, um, then that's not great for the client. Um, mm -hmm. um, so we need to be able. Ultimately, I guess what I'm saying in this business is we we're we're trying to take care of our excuse me we're trying to take care of our people mm -hmm. by people that's clients and it's it's our employees. So yeah, it's a lot to to hold. But uh, I think you're the right guy for the job. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it's yeah, it's some it's things that I think about too. And it's like, uh, you know, it's like who who better than a special ed case manager to try to 
you know, consider all the different, uh, mm -hmm. you know, people that are playing the role in, in, you know, mm -hmm. in reaching kind of a harmonious yeah. vision. And, and if that's something I can maybe add on to, man, like, yeah. I think that's like, if there's teachers who are listening or people who work in school districts who are listening, who feel like you're, you know, that you can't do anything other than work in a, in a school because you have a teaching degree or because, because whatever, for whatever reason, um, remember that you as a special educator or, a, a, a related service provider are a master of problem solver, problem solving, um, and of differentiating instruction and of um, making order out of chaos, so to speak. Um, so you probably have more skills that are apt to, or that will lend themselves to, to running a business um, than you think. So I hopefully, I would encourage you to hopefully um, do some, some sort of a personal inventory of, of those skills. And, and if you are interested in, in, in starting a business, even if it's on the side or something, um, you know, you know, realize that you may, you may be more capable than you think you are. Um, and, uh, I, I definitely encourage you to, to look into it. So, yeah, I feel yeah. like I need to take what you just said and like play that at the beginning of my episode or all of them, because it's so true. Like, it's just, my eyes got wide as you said it, because I'm like, that's the message I want people to hear when they listen to this show is mm -hmm. it might be a little more challenging. There might not be an exact, you know, pathway mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, starting your own thing, but hopefully, for example, this podcast gives you a bit of a roadmap. You know, I think it's like the way I think of it is it's hard to trust the process. Right. But like in my experience, the more I just like, if I wanted, you know, when I wanted to start my business as an educator, just talking to people like you and just like, and saying, look, I'm going to do 50 episodes and see where my business is at by the end of 50 episodes. I kind of committed to that in my head. You know, now we're on, I think this is 59, but oh my God, like way beyond where I could ever imagine, like, you know, reaching. So if you commit to that process of like, even if it's five minutes a day, right. Of like reading mm -hmm. an article about how to start your business or whatever it is you're interested. If you just commit and invest a little bit every day, um, Mm -hmm. You can get there, you know, probably sh quicker than you even imagined. Yeah. And this, this, this old notion of like, you know, if it doesn't work, try again, it might work, you know, like, like my son and I, he, my son's two and a half and we watch Sesame street and like, there's one episode that where one of the characters is trying to fly a kite and it doesn't work. And, um, she tries again and it doesn't work, tries a third time and it works. So, I mean, some, there's something to be said for trying again, um, you know, maybe making a little bit, ma making some tweaks. Um, sometimes, sometimes external factors like in the kite, like the wind might not just not, might not be blowing um, as strong as it should to, to get that kite to fly. Um, and that's, that happens with business too. Like, I mean, we don't, sometimes there are external factors that keep things from going in the is at the at the speed or the the smoothness that we want um but tomorrow there might be and and, and if you make an adjustment uh make make different adjustments um some you know sometimes it, like i keep going back to the kite but sometimes maybe it's the shape of the kite or the, the the type of string or the 
so it's it's trying some stuff and seeing what works. Um, I don't mean to oversimplify it, but this is a um, 50 minute podcast and yeah, doing the best. Doing <laughs> really dumb, so, um, yeah. No, 100%. I mean, I feel like just on this topic that we're kind of bringing up right now, we could probably do a whole nother episode, you know, <laughs> like experimenting. I mean, and I can't even uh, quantify the amount of money and time I've spent on things that did not fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I think it's, it's a really valuable lesson is like, yeah, learning, experimenting, um, and tweaking. You know, they say small tweaks have big peaks, you know, there's little, little shifts in your mind state or in the things you do mm-hmm. that can really change the outcomes. Um, so don't give up if you're listening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so Chris, man, just really enjoying, uh, talking to you. Um, and I'm sure there will yeah. be a part two in some capacity, but uh, I know people are going to hear this and be as inspired as I am and was when I learned about your work and what you're doing. Um, I, we talked about um, a special offer for the Earn More Tutoring audience. I think uh, you have your one of your workbooks. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So we have a, um, a, a digital, um, uh, it's called the Real Life Executive Functioning Workbook. Um, and it's 11 chapters and we've tried to model good executive functioning practices inside um, of the workbook and each chapter covers a different executive functioning skill also knowing that like there's a lot of overlap with the different skills so for example there's a chapter on time management a chapter on task initiation you know organization planning so and so forth and and the emotional side of it too there's one on emotional regulation impulse control and, and others um and um, it's great for, for individuals who are to probably preteen and above. Um, I would say preteens probably even pushing it, maybe probably like teenager uh, and above, um, would be appropriate, most appropriate for, uh, it's great for teachers and for parents. Um, it has lesson plans, uh, built into every single exercise. Um, there's, uh, an assessment at the beginning of every chapter. That's kind of like a choose your own adventure. Like based on your answers, it guides you to the specific exercises that would probably uh, or potentially be most appropriate for you. Um, so um, yeah, and so normally the 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 uh, workbook is eighty seven dollars, but uh, if you use coupon code uh, EMT fifty, um, you can get fifty percent off, and that's yeah, you can find that on uh, lifeskillsadvocate.com, uh, right at the top of the um, navigation in the navigation bar, you'll see one that just says workbook and you click on that and head down and put the code in and get uh, 50% off. Um, We also have a free executive standalone executive functioning assessment that is basically the same assessment that is uh, that is in the um, the workbook. If you just want to take a look at that, that's 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 located in the resources section of our website. It's easy to find. So, yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much. I know I'm going to go download that because everything you put out is quality and good. And, you you know, it's just the model for for like how to put out something that's going to provide actual value. And I know you have like a guarantee or something. If it's if it's not useful, email me and we'll problem solve it. So it's like there's no risk. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like you can try it and and uh, give your feedback. And as you know, Chris will take your feedback and consider it in his kind of iterations. Absolutely. So yeah, and yeah, when you end up on, when you after you buy the workbook, I think like six weeks out, you'll get an email asking 
for an opportunity to even schedule a meeting with me to get to provide feedback like directly to me. Um, and yeah, like there's this, there's like a seven day refund policy on it too. If you're not, you know, if you don't like it or stuff or it doesn't work for you. That's awesome. What a great idea. It's like, it's such a good way get feedback, you know, on things you're creating and then improve them. Like, uh, and that, uh, you know, meeting with you alone is, is easily, you know, worth, worth the cost of, of purchasing on the workbook. But I'm sure it's like, uh, you know, I always tell people, it's like when you're reading my blog or something, you're not just getting that article, you're getting like my collective mm-hmm. wisdom that I've pulled from like a lot of failures and challenges and dysregulation. Yeah. Um, so re- keep that in mind. Um, and we'll include that in the show notes, a link to that. So, you know, to wrap it up, Chris, just really want to give you a big shout out for, for being willing to come on, educate our audience and share your story and your expertise. Um, I feel like we just scratched the surface and, and I know there's a whole nother mile of depth uh, below mm-hmm. our conversation that we could explore, but you know, that'll be for, for future episodes or conversations. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sean, man. This has been a pleasure and uh, looking forward to maybe doing this again someday. Sounds good. So uh, for anybody listening, just remember, if you want to uh, check out any more episodes, you can go to earnmoretutoring.com. At the bottom, there's a link to all the podcast episodes. Um, And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe on your Apple, Spotify, uh, whatever podcast service you use. We're on on all of them and uh, check out other episodes. And please leave a a review and let us know that you like the show. Uh, I read all of them and they warm my heart every time someone leaves a review. So I appreciate it. So have a great day, everybody.